rolling. This is Drive Time Prop, 30 minutes of jam-packed, up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story is volatile markets being blamed on China announcing a new tariff and Trump saying that we should look for alternatives to trading with China. The big distraction, I think, the big back and forth drama was when George Conway tweeted or made the comments that Trump should be checked into Walter Reed Hospital and his fitness be examined by Congress for saying that. And I and it just rang a bell because, Binkley, you were telling me George Conway was is notorious for tweeting this stuff. He's Kellyanne Conway's husband. Yeah. And I, I hadn't really followed it, but you were going to give us something recently that we didn't get to. What was it? He does this on a daily basis. He tweets vile things about Trump. And what he tweeted the other day was he was talking about a response to Scaramucci attacking the president. And he said, I love how these people who work for a rapist have no – I don't know if he misspelled communication or is C-O-M-P-U-N-C-T-I-O-N. Compunction. Compunction, which means aversion to. Hesitation. Okay. About making accusations of abuse by someone who criticizes the rapist. So he referred to his wife's boss as a (laughs) rapist twice. If you really believed that your wife, who is responsible for (laughs) defending someone— was working for a rapist in close proximity every day, (laughs) then you're probably just as bad as that person for allowing it to happen. I think it's safe to say he doesn't actually believe that and that he does these things because he knows that he's going to get covered and be interviewed on CNN and, and MSNBC, but they don't even cover him that often, only occasionally when he says really, really sensational things. Well, Kellyanne Conway is part of the Mercer crowd, so she her she's very deep state. If there is anyone who is a handler of Trump, it's her. So, I, but let me get. I would be willing to say that Conway might tweet these things to benefit Trump in an attempt to get him on the liberal networks to distract from other things. That's interesting. I want to talk about hopefully on the WSB show tomorrow a an article I just read on CNN how ironically Trump is the best thing that ever happened to Democrats because he emphasizes stuff like how racist people are even though like Obama masked that because so many people voted for him it made it look like we weren't all racists. And that he disserves conservative causes by making them seem like they come out of left field or they're stupid or damaging. It's really an unbelievable article that totally Where was that article? Fosters it's in CNN. I just uh You're talking about Trump I is doing what Obama it. couldn't? Yes. That's one of the ones I had for today. Oh, did you really? Yeah. I, I I was going to I mean it just I think we have to spend some time on that and it dovetails with what I wanted to talk about, Obama buying that house in Martha's Vineyard, and I just started scratching the surface on how rich these politicians are and what a scam this whole two-party thing is. I think we should talk about that on WSB tomorrow. Yeah, let's save it. Yeah, and I'm I'm telling people also I want to hit the immigration issue on WSB tomorrow, so I want libertarians to call the show, listen live, and call in 
uh, because it's really, it's a debatable point, and I want civil discourse for people listening to understand the, the spectrum of libertarian views on this, which reminds me of a, uh, a, a famous libertarian, in air quotes, died today. But let me finish up the China story, and then I'll move to that one. The China story, it took me a minute. I was scratching my head on this one. But today, Chairman, Fed Chairman Powell was speaking at Jackson Hole, and what he emphasized was, hey, the Fed is fantastic. It's almighty. It's totally great and well-meaning and effective and blah, blah, blah. But when you have a guy, and, and we, we lowered rates, and we would consider doing that in the future, but when you have a guy like Trump uh, breaking uh, immutable laws on international trade. I mean, nothing can defeat that. But in reality, and I did, I did solicit on air an email from Bar Byron explaining some of the 2008 crisis, which he sent me, but I have to digest it. So I'll get to that Monday on this show. But the bottom line is after 2008, they lowered the rates so much that you really, to the extent that the Fed says we can manipulate the economy, soften blows by manipulating rates, if there's nowhere to go down, you can't soften that blow. And that's kind of where they are right now. They, they didn't raise them enough to have that kind of wiggle room. So if bad things happen, the Fed is not going to be able to save it. And a correction is still due because all that wasted money was never vetted out of the system. There was no creative destruction, as they call it. So he's making up excuses, and I think the volatility in the stock market, talking about China, or I, I, even Rush was talking about China today, and I'm like, hmm, like there, there's definitely a propaganda element to it if he's spending all his time talking about China and the stock market. So I feel like this, this was no coincidence that this was the day Powell was trying to kind of create a safety net for himself in the Fed. But the uh, the next story was that— I have something to say about that story. Oh, yeah, go ahead. This is also perfect timing for the upcoming Democratic debate, which is, I believe, in September, I think early September, because the economy is an issue they haven't really talked about yet. And by making it appear or by the, the economy actually going through a difficult time, that gives them— that angle that Trump has been – that's been Trump's strong suit. So now the Democrats can say even his strong suit is not going so strong, and they can attack him on that. So it's another issue in front of the public mind that the Democrats can debate or shout their talking points at each other during the next Democrat debate. That sounds absolutely right. I'm eager to see that. I, I That really resonates. That that makes sense. Oh, one follow-up. I had also said, I wonder why Hong Kong is in the news right now, why the protests are right now. Is something coming in 2020? And I, I dug into it a little bit, and I could not find any red-letter date. They, I knew there was an end time for the one nation, two laws system. When when England gave up its, I think, 99-year lease on Hong Kong in 1946, I think. 97, yeah, it's 2047. It's 50 years of this basic law. So Britain gave up the Hong Kong lease as scheduled in 1997. And, and part of the transition was a 50-year transition period where it would be one nation, two laws. That ends in 2047. 
and the and the things that have happening now i was watching a little thing by daniel mcadams of the ron paul institute on rt and he said one thing that was interesting he said the hong kong protests were sparked by an extradition agreement they made with china which they have with many other countries but they backed off it in response to the protests yet the protests continued and we are behind those protests. But he he likened it to the Budapest protests in the 50s where we encouraged people to protest the Soviet kind of invasion or Iron Curtain there. And all the people who objected to the Soviet Union came out en masse and were slaughtered by the Soviets because we did not go save them. Same thing happened in Iraq. I, I, I had known that and Wesley Clark said that. We encouraged them all to come out. And then they were slaughtered, and we did not help them. Now, Daniel McAdams was saying that we just wimped out, but I've long suspected that that's a way to to actually get, I don't know if it's in service to your ostensible enemy, but you're really working behind the scenes with him. But to me, this is if this is the third time this is happening, the answer, obviously, we're not going into Hong Kong with force. They are, all these people are outing themselves. And and that could be very serious. So it is possible that we're we're promoting these protests not because we are trying to pressure the government, but we are trying to vet for them anybody who is an upstart. Now like the, that's very sinister, but it's a possibility. They've done it. Mao, the one hundred flowers campaign, where they encouraged or they encouraged people to come forward for 100 days and to criticize the government and to give their ideas. And then after 100 days, they rounded all those people up. I believe it. And and why not? Nobody's going to fall for that from their own government, especially in China. So if the Rockefellers or whatever really are behind the China growth surge, because I always think with China, there's definitely 3D chess going on. So is it really 3D? Is this really happening on a different dimension? Or is this on a higher dimension? So that's just trying to peel the onion on that. And if that happens and we don't help them and they do round up people from Hong Kong or they do increase the violence, then I think that only increases the urgency of the American resistance that these protests are modeling for to increase the intensity of their measures because I think they'll see us as an authoritarian government working with an authoritarian government. So therefore they must do what they must kind of like that clip we play a lot where when all the, yeah. the measures don't work, they're legal, then you're going to start breaking the law. Well, who knows how far China will go to stop that from happening? We can't. And we never do. We don't want to, but like in Singapore, I, I've said this, like if you want to stop drugs, you have to do what Singapore does. People aren't going to stop getting outsized profits from black markets they don't think are inherently wrong. You've got to kill them for it. So it just depends on how far the government's willing to go. Does that – anyway. Yes, that makes sense. Does that answer the question? Relevant. Uh, so I just wanted to point out another big, big story, uh, news that David Koch died. The famous – they call him libertarian. He sits on the board of Cato and Reason – which I think was, for me, marks the moment that those organizations were basically co-opted by the establishment or the neoconservatives or whatever. And I feel like after that, or as a part of that, libertarianism has been exploited. I call them corporate libertarians. When they show up on Fox, you can't assume that they're, they're going to fall on their swords against unjust wars or anything like that. 
but I noticed they, they exploit libertarians for one thing is open borders. So they'll say, we're not going to give libertarians or anarcho-capitalists or anybody anything they want at all, except open borders. So when you have a welfare state, when you have a country that bombs other countries, that destroys them politically and economically, and you create these massive migrations of refugees and terrorists and just economic refugees, and then you say, oh, libertarians, here, you wanted open borders. Hmm. And then, and then it, it serves their purposes as these globalist corporations. I think it's a trap. It even went so far in, I read in reason magazine where they were advocating for a ban in Congress against GMO labeling. Like you could not voluntarily label GMO. And the argument was it's bad for business. Libertarians are not pro business legislation advocates. They're libertarians. We want liberty, personal, individual liberty and personal responsibility on all issues at all times. So I think that this is all, uh, he's control, you know, he has controlled us, the opposition. And anyway, he's partnered with Soros, but that's big news that he's dead. I guess that he's one of the richest people in the world. So I guess that makes his brother, I, I don't know who got the money, but he's worth, I think, $50 billion. And then that, that leads into another libertarian in air quotes in the news, but I'll, I'll give you a turn. Okay. This story comes from me. I was alerted to it again by Etmore News One. For, so thank you for that. The iPhone 7 went through a radiation test recently that prompted an FCC investigation because it produced radio frequency radiation that was not only above the legal limit, but was more than double what Apple reported to the Fed regulators. Now, this, this story is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. One, I read that story on my iPhone 7 while holding my iPhone 7 directly to my face. And Why I would you read something? Oh, it was like in front of your face. Yeah, the yeah. way people read on their phone. How did oh, that's that's too close because I feel like if it's not touching my head, I'm now paranoid about not using like wired headphones. But wow, you think just reading it is too close to your face? Dang. I mean, I don't think that it's only dangerous to stick my face up against a microwave when I'm waiting <laughs> for my food. Yes. I don't like standing oh. in front of it at all. Yes, but- a big fan of our show has one of those, like, has a radiation detector or an electromagnetic field detector, and he just sent me a message said, don't go near your microwave. I was like, okay. And certain intersections, certain intersections in Atlanta. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, so this was interesting to me for a handful of reasons. One is because after I read the story and I read what would seemingly be alarming news, potentially— I didn't put my phone down. I continued to read other news with it held up <laughs> against my face, and I continued to walk around with it in my pocket all day. Didn't mm-hmm. bother me at all. Didn't consider not using it really. I have considered going back to a flip phone in the past, but it didn't phase me at all. And I want you to imagine if you're someone in power, if you're trying to control the masses, and you've told the public, you've made them aware that when – they hold their phones up to their face and that when they put their phones in their pockets that it's cooking their brains and nuking their testes, that they would go, I'm okay with that. The alternative <laughs> is more painful. 
I think you got them by, as Carlin would say, <laughs> the balls. We can't even put our phones down, let alone take down the global elite. It is a worldwide, well, nationwide addiction, and our drug of choice is the iPhone. And we give it to children, too. So I think that really illustrates what we're willing to tolerate when it comes to the things that we're addicted to. And I think if you're someone in power, someone in control, that's very vital information to know. The second point that I think is interesting about this is that, well, on that same note, vaping has been – there's been a lot of stories in the news. I saw one today where they think someone might have died because of a lung disease due to vaping. Many, many people. Yeah, there's been like 19 states, 100 cases of some some sort of potential lung illness due to vaping. Yeah, it's on the cover of the journal, 153 people. Oh, yeah, lung illness, not death. Everybody I know is vaping. Really? Everybody I know. I dang. Whether it's marijuana or it's tobacco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, all vaping. I was trying I notice I'm now telling my kids like I, I don't even care. If you can tell how it grew out of the ground, eat it, smoke it. I don't care what you do with it, but if you can't like you should not be smoking USB ports. Like that is not what God intended. Right. And these things, I've smoked out of a vape before cuz I wanted to see what it was and they're very hot. They're like a battery and people just you can do them inside, so people are hitting them all the time. And I sent the thing to my friend. I sent him the link to the, the CDC study thing, and his response was, so what? I don't care. It's either this or smoking, and plus I can do this inside and get away with it anyway. And I'm thinking it's the same thing with the self. Now, that could very well be a smear campaign by the tobacco companies. I don't know. I don't know the details of all the vape stuff. I know that vaping companies and tobacco companies are kind of battling right now, so there might be some propaganda in that. But the idea that we can be told that the things we're holding to our face and putting in our mouths are poisoning poisoning us, poisoning our bodies, and it doesn't phase us is a very powerful tool for the people who would control us. Now, and, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. I just wanted to say that the ads for the vaping and – the ads for the vaping and the ads – against the vaping you can't tell the difference i was laughing with my daughter because the vaping ad said tastes like candy smokes like nicotine oh my gosh and it was like a, it was like the chick looked unhappy but it was all like it had flowers and rainbows or something brightly colored around it and i was like do you think that that's a pro or anti ad and she looked and she was like oh my gosh it's an anti ad but like what kind of candy does it taste like and i was like Ugh. that's interesting <laughs> that you say the the chick looked unhappy i was thinking about that with our cell phones it's not even a euphoric addiction you know people do heroin yeah. they do other drugs yes. they they have that euphoria people that's what my husband told me about smoking he's like monica why do you do that it doesn't even get you high yeah and i quit you, i quit after that it's the same thing with the phones <laughs> you're like oh my gosh this is a torture i don't want to be it dings and dongs it's creating all the time. a need it's just create like with smoking it creates a need you have to fill it's just yeah. it's just creates a necessity without actually delivering the joy part Absolutely. And the second point about the phone story is that it sounds a lot like that story out of Brussels where they did the pilot mm-hmm. where they tested the 5G radiation and the radiation was too high for their levels. So they, they, did, they decided not to do the pilot that they were going to do after doing the test. And that makes me think that this could be part of a conditioning process 
where if we talk about how the phones have high radiation levels for a long enough period of time, then once we get to the full rollout of 5G and somebody raises their hand and says, but wait a minute, aren't the radiation levels of 5G much higher than 4G and aren't they potentially dangerous? They can just say, yeah, but so is the radiation level of that phone you hold to your face all the time. Mm-hmm. And that growth on your head mm-hmm. is very charming. It'll be <laughs> fine. Don't worry about it. So that's why that story really stuck out to me. And I have the iPhone 7, as I said. It's, their slogan might as well be half the battery life, twice the radiation, because it's the <laughs> worst phone I've ever had. I was out with two friends who I hadn't seen in a while, and they were both horrified. We were actually on a trip. They were both horrified that I slept with my phone next to my bed and didn't put it in airplane mode. I had never even heard that. So I looked it up, and there were articles about it in 2012 and 2013, and I have noticed every single time I've tried to look up something bad about the iPhone – I can't find anything that comes out basically or the bulk, bulk, bulk of the discussion and the journalism kind of ends in 2014 and they just don't address these issues anymore. But they did. It did say that there were there was some evidence or valid suspicion that required more research on the fact that you should turn that transceiver off or is it called a transponder? I think it's called transceiver off by just hitting airplane mode when you're going to bed. And so now I make my kids do that. Interesting. Good tip. So I just wanted to say about Patrick Byrne, Byron had had just sent me that kind of Patrick Byrne, CEO of Overstock, says he's he was Maria Butina's honeypot. Yes. Well, I didn't know anything about this guy. I saw today, front page of the journal, he stepped down as CEO of Overstock in the wake of his deep state comments. And he had said all this. He has such a, like, he's like deep, deep state. He's not the deep state they're trying to tell you he is. He's like for real. Double deep state. Yeah. His father worked for Warren Buffett running Geico. And then he was in, in uh, kind of Rosa. I I think he was in finance, although he has all this Chinese stuff. He can do, he can speak Chinese and he's a black belt and this kind of thing. But he, has it had a website, a media website called uh, Deep Capture. He's he's full of it, in my opinion. But when I was trying to do research, it kept coming up, like the Vanity Fair article I was reading about him, which was absolutely not flattering to libertarians, was filed under libertarianism. Like before the headline, it said libertarianism, <laughs> then went on to say how he this is, these quotes are straight out of like my crazy libertarian uncle. So this guy puts himself out there as a libertarian and overstock like hardcore libertarian peter Thiel style and overstock was the first retail or major company to offer bitcoin so that's his thing that was his thing and and in his relationship with maria butina the defense of her her defense was asking the government was this guy an informant she says he was she says he has exculpatory evidence and they denied And then he later came out and said, yes, I was, which means that her conviction or the plea bargain, see, then she entered into a plea bargain, had what seems like illegal qualities. And according to the defense, they and somewhat to Byrne's statement, she, Maria Butina, the only person convicted of Russian interference in the election or whatever Russian spy. the worst spy in history if she's a spy. (laughs) Because she was... Out there throwing her picture on everything? Yeah. Well, let me just tell you what he said. So what he said was that 
she did not seem to be her her behavior so he would sleep with her or have a relationship with her and then report to the fbi he said her behavior was not consistent with a foreign agent but was consistent with an idealist and an age-appropriate peace activist so she really oh and what he was saying was the fbi had targeted her i believe years ago and was following her around. He said he was telling the FBI that she had planned a high-level meeting with this guy, with that guy. They didn't care. They didn't stop it. And that those were just the meetings that were used against her as being a serious risk to United States national security. So that story, she was really, I believe that she plea bargained because she was locked up in a jail in solitary or something like that. Then her, her real boyfriend was... was picked up on some other charge. But I look at her case and Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, who was robbed of his boxing title, just robbed by Canelo. I was there. It was not cool. I mean, the it was Mexican Independence Day, and the Mexicans who were there for Canelo booed the judgment because it was so wrong. That's when Max Kellerman became yeah. full deep state, revealed himself as that. So... When I look at these people from behind the Iron Curtain come over here and get treated with acute injustice, what that says about what it, the damage that does to any influence we might have in the world as, as liberty and justice for all take the way of freedom and honesty and everything, just, it, it, it just validates everything Russia would want to say or the Soviet Union did say about American capitalism in a way that I believe is is downright subversive. Yeah, I believe that the Overstock guy said that Peter Strzok, the FBI guy, yes. gave him the orders. And that story is interesting because there was another story. I didn't get too much into the details of it, but it was about how that American who is being held in Russia for being a spy, an American spy, is saying that he's being mistreated and the media treats that as though it's absolutely absurd to call this guy a spy. But when you look at his background, everything about his background screams spy. Yet on the other hand, we have this Butina lady over here who, as I said, if she is a spy, she has to be like a do-it-yourself spy and the world's worst spy because she's terrible at it. Speaking of... Uh, can you believe what a moron idiot that guy could possibly be for suspecting what I, like the just this they laugh at the one side and it's absolutely yeah. a plausible theory this the brazilian wildfires have you heard about the fires in the amazon right now the climate change fires <laughs> no they're meat eating fires oh interesting yeah well let me just tell you the two things that i found noteworthy cuz i i want to make sure we get to your other stuff the the head of Brazil, he said, uh, his President Bolsonaro, can't read my own writing, said that he cut, he stopped giving NGOs funding because they were there to create problems. And he thinks they may have retaliated by starting these fires. So people are just like laughing their heads off. What a conspiracy theorist. When, of course, that's totally possible and he said there's that their farmers clear the land by burning it because it's just stuff grows so fast. So he said that the the number of fires is being misrepresented as being out of control wildfires, but they're not wildfires. It's just the season to do that. So 
two things there. One is the, I don't, I forget. I think it may be a CNN. The Amazon is burning because we eat too much meat. So they're saying the ranchers are burning it down to grow cows. 40% of whose meat goes to Hong Kong and China and that, and it literally says at the end, something like the answer, stop eating meat. When of course we're not, it's in Hong Kong and that that's like not the right answer. You're not going to get the demand for meat down to where it's not prosperous for these guys to burn it down. But the thing about the wildfires also on the same page, front page of the journal was that PG and E may be facing some of their people may be facing criminal charges in the deadliest wildfire in California history because one of its wires caused the fire. And they, it only just came out today that an unusual inspection of that region of the wiring was, was, conducted just weeks before the fire broke out. So if they're looking at criminal, is it criminal negligence or is it criminal? Like, did they, I, I, even, I don't think they started that fire on purpose. However, it's a highly regulated entity. They were there doing something out of the ordinary that they did not report during the course of the investigation. And they may be facing criminal charges. So for this guy to suggest that somebody would start a wildfire on purpose, I would say he could just read the journal today. And that would be a rational speculation given what he knows about the politics that he's been dealing with, with those groups down there. Yeah. Yeah. But climate change. <laughs> and meat. And, and meat is a climate change thing. I, and if you think of veganism, like I'm telling you, it's like my son's wisdom. He didn't realize it. If God didn't want us to eat animals, why did he make them out of food? <laughs> I, know, I, I know that sounds rude, but if you really think about it, like we eat them because we can. You know, we, we are animals ultimately. We yeah. eat what we can eat. Nobody can eat anything you can't eat. A hippopotamus is not going to eat a steak because it just can't metabolize it. And lions don't eat grass because they just can't metabolize it. We can eat it. Dogs too mm -hmm. can eat everything. Omnivores. It's awesome. Omnivore, uh, omnivorousness, <laughs> omnivorousness and thumbs, I would say would be the natural, the greatest natural advantages we have. And uh, I have a couple more things, but you got, I, I have one story I have to get to today. Cause it, it, uh, it's the best example of how fake news spreads on social media, how real fake news spreads on social media at the speed of light. There was a story I saw when you go on Twitter and you're on your phone, which, of course, I'm always on mine. You click on the news feed and you'll see this little story, a featured story, and it'll tell you how many people are talking about it, give a little headline. And I saw that last night, and the story was about a journalist who – was trying to enter the country, a British journalist who was trying to enter the country, and this is what it said. It had the little picture, and it said, Journalist said he faced hostile questions about fake news media at immigration checkpoint. So that, that was the featured story. It had a little dramatic image with it. It made it seem like it was a real attack on the free press by Trump's militant arm, the Customs and Border Agency, who loved to put children in cages. And then the little headline said, Writer James Dyer was met with words of support after he described an alleged incident at the Los Angeles airport in which a border official accused him of being part of, it, of the fake news media. Other reporters urged him to file a complaint, citing growing restrictions on press freedom around the world. Now, this story is... 
already about hearsay and about the support that one journalist got from the other, all without not hearing the other side or the context of the story. And this was picked up by the Washington Post and other major news outlets, and it was propagated as Trump's attack on the free press, and it filled, it fit the stereotype of the evil customs agent that they spread all the time. And here's the guy's tweet thread. I have to go through some of these because it illustrates this had 19,000 retweets, <laughs> 19,000 retweets. Wow. Just wow. Just went through LAX immigration, presented my journalist visa and was stopped by the CBA, CBP agent and accused of being part of the fake news media. He he wanted to know if I had ever worked for CNN or MSNBC or other outlets that are spreading lies to the American people. Did he have the guy's name? No, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry. He, Because, uh, he, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. He aggressively told me that journalists are liars and are attacking democracy. Apparently the only truth comes from YouTube and the president. All this <laughs> said under a CBP sign that says we are the face of our nation and with a framed picture of 45 staring down at us in effing California. Welcome to America. Then he goes, okay, so that, that story is retweeted, and journalists say, you should file a complaint. You should take this to the this, they're racist, all these suggestions of what to do. I mean, do. he's a journalist. Surely he got the guy's this name, guy's rank, and serial number. Yeah. I mean, he, people thought he had been detained, right? So he goes on to say, he let me go after I said that I was just here to write about Star Wars and would keep the fake news about the – uh, to the bare minimum. Thankfully, the statute of limitations has expired on Chris Hewitt's five-star review on the attack of the clones, which was an odd twist because that's clearly a joke, that tweet. I don't get it. I, I don't either. But the okay. guy is an entertainment writer. He writes about movies, so he's in town to write about a movie. So he's like, well, he let me go when I told him I was just here to write about Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And then he said – he goes on later to clarify. To clarify, for those kindly saying I was illegally detained, I wasn't detained or taken into a room. This all happened at the visa passport fingerprint check and only lasted a couple of minutes. He made no attempt to physically detain me beyond the questions and lecture. So clearly this has become a thing now. My mentions have melted down. And, and then he goes on to say, no, I wasn't mistreated or detained in any way. Questions at customs are to be expected while fingerprinting. It was just a fake news diatribe. While that fingerprinting? Was, was inappropriate. Yeah, I guess when you come into the country, he was coming in from another country. And then someone asked if oh, there was a complaint. Yeah. And he said, no, I didn't get his name or make a complaint. As I said, he didn't mistreat me. So while... I despair that an office that an official made these comments that these are troubling views have clearly been so normalized. I didn't take it any further. I just moaned and groaned about it. And then later on, so that tweet thread, he already minimized it after causing a, an outrage. He later on tweets on a new thread. He starts a new thread, which got like no retweet, had like nine retweets versus the 19,000 this one had. He tweeted – that feeling when you tweet about an unsettling experience at Customs largely to make a joke about Chris Hewitt's AOTC review and your mentions turn into Chernobyl. So he was what? making a joke. And when you look at the guy's Twitter feed, he what? Yeah. Well, I don't know who that guy is who he's talking about. I don't know. It was another No, movie. no, but you're saying that he that didn't even happen? 
it did not happen the way he dramatized it. And right. when you look into the guy's background. Well, my guess is it didn't happen, but is he saying it, it didn't happen? Either. Yeah. He's saying that it was an unsettling experience, but he admitted that he was saying this stuff just to make a joke okay. at somebody else's expense. But he did well, say this. Well, it sounds to me there were two threads. The first one said, I didn't, uh, it wasn't that bad. And the second one sounds like the whole thing was made up. Yes, exactly. Okay. And the first one got 19,000 retweets. <laughs> right. And the second and one the got second nine. One had at, <laughs> Zero retweets, nine comments. <laughs> Zero retweets. That's not even believable. And here's what he said. Here's I mean, what people I found would out retweet it to correct the record. Well, they don't. Somebody would. That's why he started it on a new chain. Yeah, yeah. I went down on his, his Twitter fed. I, I kept reading it to find this one. And so the Washington Post reached out to him, and he gave them a comment. And my question was, how did this even come up? How did the fake news meet? How did they know you were a journalist or a writer at all? And come to find out, he admitted that when he goes to the Border Patrol, he brings up questions about what they do. So he provokes them, and I realized he was bird-dogging. And this is what social media allows these activists to do. Oh, by the way, the very last tweet of that thread, of the original thread, said, While you're here, subscribe to my podcast. He was advertising his podcast wow. at the very bottom of it, and he was bird-dogging to get the attention to it. It enables them to go set up these situations where they ask these questions. So you're a Border Patrol agent. How do you feel about putting and children in it cages? And implants, then it implants this meme, this ready-made meme that people can – I mean if that particular one caught on – you, I've heard stuff like this where you'll then be watching CNN or something, and it'll say, and we all know when the journalist was uh, interrogated at the border, that's a First Amendment violation. Right. And that's, everyone will be like, yeah, snap, 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 And that's yeah. the story in the Washington Post is that this is another example of Trump's attack on the free press. And this guy was probably asking the type of questions that they ask at the town halls. You must really like keeping children in cages at the border at concentration <laughs> camps. And the Border Patrol agent said, what are you fake news? Yes, he, he might probably right. said, what do you work for CNN or something? Yes, exactly, exactly. And yet all these people, because it satisfies, it validates that feeling to hate Trump, to believe that he is attacking the free press and to believe that border patrol agents are evil and racist and hate children they don't care it doesn't matter that it's not true it doesn't matter that the guy did it to get a bunch of attention to his podcast and it doesn't matter that he didn't file a complaint and it could probably be proven not to be true because there's probably cameras right. and there's probably witnesses that were there but none right. of that matters because it validates what they already believe and social media enables charlatans and activists and con artists to benefit themselves by setting up a situation where they look like a victim. Social media enables you to be a celebrity victim at any point in time as long as you fit the stereotype that they want to propagate. I hear you. That's that's all I got on that. <laughs> I know we ran along there, but that, yes, that, we that did. story just blew me away when yeah. I saw it. Well, I'll save my stuff for Monday. Monday's so often a slow news day, and tune in to WSB tomorrow from 4 to 6 to hear, uh, to, I want people to call. I want libertarians to call and and uh, broaden the conversation. Give us a call, libertarians, and you can find your drive time prop every afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform. We'll talk to you next time.